Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another Industry Insider podcast here on the EKN Radio Network, episode number 17. It is January the 23rd, 2019. The new season, of course, off and running. Events already taking place uh, in the southern states, in Texas, in Florida, in California. Yeah, the new 2019 season is underway. Uh, cool guy to talk to here for this edition of the Industry Insider. First time we've had him on the EKN Radio Network. Uh, today, my guest, Joe Janowski, the uh, National Director of Competition for Supercarts USA, and also uh, the new, well, essentially the new Regional Director of the brand new Great Lakes Pro Kart Challenge Regional Series, of course, under the Supercarts USA banner, which will be running this year in Indiana, Illinois, and Wisconsin. Joe, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. Taking some time out of your day uh, to do a podcast with us here on EKN. Yeah, absolutely, man. Happy to be here. Uh, let's uh, let's do a bit of origin story first. We, li- we like to do this because, as you know, Joe, being in the, uh, the karting insurance business and the motorsports insurance business, uh, the community in karting, a, a good per- percentage of it turns over every three to five years. So there are people that are listening here on the EKN radio network or through the, the podcast on the EKN radio network app that might not know a lot about Joe Janowski. They know who you are, you know, the uh, director of competition for Supercarts USA, but we're talking 25 plus years for you, not only as a driver, but your family was the family that essentially started Supercarts USA back in the mid nineties. Where, yeah. where did you start? Where did you start? Uh, well, you know, I started racing actually in 1980, so I'm 46 what? now. So we're, we're well into the 30, well, well over 30 years of, of active racing. And I, I probably great. race, I don't race that much anymore, but, um, uh, you know, I, I race at least once or twice a year doing something. And I do a lot of, uh, I racing, um, as well as a matter of fact, like I'm sitting here talking to you. Uh, the best place for me to do this was through all my iRacing stuff. So I've got my <laughs> gaming rig sitting here in front of me and uh, kind of itching to drive a little bit, actually, all of a sudden. I but can, um, I, yeah, yeah, I bet. That's cool. Now, so let's go back. Obviously, you know, you did, you started karting, started racing early in your career, as you said. Uh, you know, your father, Don Janowski, and, and your mom, Susan, were essentially the people that picked up the banner called Supercarts USA, a program that, that kind of originated in Florida was designed to be something that went all over the country, but just never did that. You and your dad and your mom ended up having it. And it was the Scusa Great Lakes Pro Series, I think. Was was that the first name, the Pro Series of, of the program in, in the mid-90s? It was the uh, Midwest Pro Tour. There it is. And uh, yeah, so it actually started with a guy named Ken Getchell yep. in Florida. And Ken had this idea of, uh, you know, these shifter carts. And he, he had this sort of a world of outlaws kind of view of what these things would be. And that was... Um, man, I mean, those things were brand new. I mean, shifters and we're talking, you know, you first started seeing them around late eighties, a few times guys like Dave Miller. Um, someday you should grab some of those old DMC photos, right? I know that about it. And all the yep. stuff, right. Kind of a history of, of where this thing came from. And my dad and I were at a, a street race called the Elkhart, ugh, can't talk Elkhart Grand Prix. And this would have been in 92. And, uh, uh, guys like uh, Howie Idelson were there with these, all these shifters, the 125s, and they got wings. And, and, uh, boy, my dad and I just sat there just with our, you know, I mean, our, our mouths dropped open. And, and <clears throat> at that point, it was, how do we get into that? Uh, there really wasn't anywhere to do it. We happened to be doing insurance for this guy in Florida named Ken Getchell, had this Supercarts USA thing. And, um, so, you know, my dad started talking to him more about it. And in 1993, we, 
we bought a franchise uh, for 500 bucks and, and that gave us the, uh, you know, the Midwest, um, you know, franchise, so to speak of Scusa. <coughs> Soon after that, uh, you know, we started going, I think first race was at uh, Gary Lobos place in Michigan, the original MRP. Yeah. Um, I think there was 12 guys that showed up and eight of them were local guys. And, uh, you know, and it just kind of took off from like, from that very first race, Scusa, there was always something different with Scusa. It started that very first race and went from, you know, that to, you know, what it is today, which is kind of mind boggling when you think about it. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of, it was me and my mom and my dad, you know, and, and during the week, uh, we all would work on it, uh, together. And then, you know, on the weekends I would race and my dad would sort of be the race director and, and, uh, you know, my mom would handle all the administrative duties so probably of like all of us the the single person that really made scusa what it was and really made it happen and, and made it exist is really my mom susan yep, right. um yep. so any of you guys that got penalties at the supernats uh and came to the penalty booth to complain uh she was actually in there working at the supernats this past year um so which is a real treat to have my mom come out and she loves to be right in the middle of the action. She doesn't want to sit in registration. She does. She <laughs> wants to be right where the action's happening. So that was a lot of fun having her out there. I remember the first time I met, I met your mom and your dad. And the first time I went to a Supercarts USA race, I want to say it was 1997. I think I just started working for national cart news mm -hmm. and they brought me out to the Portage Grand Prix. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah and that was the race that the Benarskis were involved in. And I remember it was for me, it was, and I'm sure you, this term resonates in your mind. It was, I saw these shifter carts. And I'm like, man, like these guys are the outlaws of shifter racing. It was oh, just yeah. rip, gripping and ripping it, you know. And it was, it wasn't just Hondas. It was Yamaha. You know, there was Yamahas. There was Suzuki. Suzukis, right? Yep. It was, man, it, it was fun to watch. It was just something different. It was. It, it's obviously one of the things. I think the 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 real. I'm not trying to think of the word, but that real passion that everybody had. But just there was there was just thing about shifter cart racing. That's what kind of pushed me forward. Obviously, that would eventually lead me to shifter cart illustrated. Uh, the magazine that we published, of course, with your uh, motivation early on as well. <laughs> Scusa moves through. Jim Murley comes in as well. The pro tour, you know, it was you and myself and Jim Murley sitting down in the office in Columbus, Ohio. Came out with the first Scusa Promoto tour and, you know, the dates and the, the rule set. And I was trying to sell sponsorship and all that happened in the late 90s. And, of course, as you know, just that big explosion from about 98 to, what, 2005, whatever it was. When, when shifter cart racing went absolutely crazy, it was new. Every road and track, car and driver, motor trend, all would come out and do, you know, test days and, and would report on this phenomenon called shifter cart racing that really did, I think, inject a lot of excitement into national level racing at that time. Yeah, man, what a what a cool time to to be mm -hmm. part of the sport, you know, and and not just from you know the the Scusa side, but even just as a driver, you know the. Uh, on the talent that was around those days in those carts. And those things were beasts too. I mean, they yeah. were not uh, smooth and easy to drive. I mean, you really had to, I mean, you had to be, you know, I'm going to use a dirt term here, but you really had to be up on the wheel okay. and, um, and just all the cool stuff that would happen. I remember some of those early days, like when we were over uh, at Jim's house, sitting in the basement, you know, and it'd be like, it, it seemed like everything would start off with, wouldn't it be cool if, you That's know, like, wouldn't it be cool if we could do this? And, and the cool part was we, we, we could do it. There, there wasn't anybody to tell us, no, you can't do it. And so the funny thing is, is that the, the model of the modern <clears throat> national series um, really was created 
by three or four of us there sitting in the basement riffing on ideas and the things that people come to take it you know for granted now that was that was all created that was all new it, it didn't used to work that way and uh so you know it's it's always been the fun part of scusa right there there is you know there there is no rule book um it always tends to be uh you know, the, uh, the progressive, uh, the kind of like the redhead stepchild, you know, yeah. even though it's been around for like 25 ish, whatever, how many years it's been around, but, um, you know, it's, it's always had that moniker of kind of being the wild child of, uh, uh, of, you know, carding sanctioning or carding event production. Well, I remember the t-shirt that Merley used to love to push out there and it was the whole Scusa thing at, at the Scusa ain't your daddy's go-kart club. Yeah. Which that was, was the whole line, right? I, or something I, different. I think we need to bring that thing back because it it's <laughs> it was true then. Yep. And it's true now. And and that's why it's so fun to be involved in it. Although the Scusa today is a lot different than the Scusa of of many years past, but you know that DNA is still in there, right? Like that what makes it tick um still exists and that's why you know, it was, it's fun to see, uh, you know, what Tom has done with it over the years. And I know Tom is a polarizing figure and whatnot, but, um, but the reality of it is, is that, you know, it really, you know, it grew into yet another cool version of Scusa. And, uh, you know, and so it's almost like the Phoenix or like, you can't, it's like a roach. You just can't kill it, man. It just keeps coming back and coming well, back, coming back. Joe, you know, you bring up the DNA and that was another, you know, term, like the catchphrase that Jim Early used to use. And, I think one of the reasons why that's kind of been the continuing thought process or the continuing kind of culture throughout all of Supercarts USA's 25 years is because it was that culture, that it ain't your daddy's go-kart club, that kind of outlaw culture that really drew Tom Kutcher into it. Because sure. some yeah. people know, some people don't know that Tom came in right around the time when the Promoto Tour exploded. You know, his team uh, won Team of the Year in 2002, but he was there driving in the G1 category, which was the category for drivers 30 years of age and older. And that was his thing. It was badass 125cc shifter cart racing. And all the guys that were the guys that were running G1 back in those days, a lot of them weren't the young guns that had become older and wanted to race. Right. They were guys that we drew from out of, like from other things, from motocross, from whatever it may be. Those are the guys that kind of came in and become became the G1 stars. Now, you know, S4 and the master stuff we have now, it's more these guys that were stars when they were 13 to 20 and then kind of held out until they were 30 to come and run in the master's category. So the DNA continues, which is exciting. And, this is where I want to go now, because I think the first thing and for, foremost that I want to talk about in this uh, edition of the Industry Insider is the return of the Great Lakes Pro Kart Challenge, which is essentially, as you said, the Midwest uh, Pro Series that a Pro Tour that you guys ran. Supercarts USA, obviously, you know, based in Temecula, California. The Pro Kart Challenge in California is their flagship, anywhere from you know 120 to 180 or 200 entries at a time. It's a strong program. Texas came out of that. Uh, they worked with Mike Rawlson up in the Can-Am Karting Challenge in the Pacific Northwest. This move to Florida obviously is key to expanding Supercarts U.S. outwards. But you've had the conversations with people. I've had conversations with people, and I know that Tom has, of course, that there are people on the East Coast that want the Scusa brand. They want to be, if they're going to run Scusa Pro Tour and they're going to do the Super Nats and Florida Winter Tour, they want to be able to run Scusa throughout the uh, throughout the summer as well. It, is that essentially the motivation? And you, or you can tell me what exactly it was when you said, or Tom and you discussed, Hey, we need to get back to the great lakes area. You know, I've, <clears throat> I, it's, it's almost kind of hard to articulate, you know, and I knew we were going to talk about this. And, and so I sit there and I think to myself like, okay, so when Rob asked me that question, 
how, how am I going to answer this thing? Yep. You know, um, I think that this is the birthplace of Scusa, and you know, a lot of people forget. Um, you know, Scusa used to have a pretty broad-based regional program. Most definitely. And <clears throat> so, you know, it kind of went by the wayside. Um, it's kind of Scusa dipped into that sort of uh, odd situation it, it ended up in there in 2004 to 2006 and, yep. and, you know, trying to rebuild the thing and sort of kind of get it pointed in, in a new direction. And I think I've always had that idea of, you know, if I ever did get back involved, I'd really love to see that because, you know, pro tours are going to attract a certain type, a number of people, but there, there's a lot of people that, that simply can't commit the time or the resources to doing that. But the SKU's a product is such a good product and always has been, and it keeps getting better. And so, you know, I'd be at various races and, or, you know, you know, people talking around here, going to races, like, man, we'd really love to have Scusa hear more. Like, you know, why can't we get this type of quality racing? Not only that, but it's connected to the bigger picture, right? So, you know, the Scusa Great Lakes guys, you know, we, we can build that sort of camaraderie across the United States underneath that one banner, which was, I always thought was really cool. Um, the tracks around here are great. The racers around here are awesome. Um, there's still a lot of people that really want to go out and bang gears. And uh, so, you know, plus the other stuff that Scusa does now. But really, I think people really just like, you know, the product. They just like Scusa. And, and so, um, you know, I don't know if I just caught in a fit of, of uh, mental illness or sniffed too many fumes after a race or something like that. But I just, man, I had this idea and I, and I even mentioned it to Tom like mid-year last year. And I think he looked at me like, you know, really, you want to get back into that? And it's like, man, I really, I really think, you know, I really think it would work well here. You know, and I, I know there's a lot of arguments out there and people have talked about there's too much racing in the Midwest. Um, people were saying that in the, in the 80s. Uh, there's too much racing here in the Midwest. Um, there's a lot of racing here in the Midwest because there's a lot of great racetracks. There's a lot of good drivers. There's a lot of good teams. Um and I think we're going to be able to bring in something unique and we're going to be able to bring something back into this area that's unique. It's a little different than what's going on. And I think, you know, hopefully um, I've got a great staff uh, that's already committed. So these people are, are coming in from either other PKC regions. A lot of our national team are going to be coming into the Great Lakes uh, Pro Kart Challenge because they, they live around here. So, you know, my marshals are coming in and my scoring people and, you know, the tire people and all these things. I just think it's going to be, um, I think it's just going to be a really, really great series. And we're, we're not trying to overdo it. It's going to be four, uh, four, four weekends with eight rounds of racing. Um, and I really expect it to be, you know, a pretty good series right out of the box. And we're not going to have those teething problems that a lot of other uh, series can have. Plus, you know, cool prize packages, uh, you know, that tie in with the super Nats that's always there that people always get really excited about. Um, but I've had, uh, you know, more response than I anticipated. Um, and so, which is really good, although I've been around a long time. So I realize that well, not, not everybody that calls is going to show up or, or actually commit to doing what they say that they were going to do, but the volume of interest has been really, really good. And, uh, so I'm, I'm hoping for a really good 2019 to relaunch this thing. Well, you know, one of the interesting things, Joe, is the is the simple fact that yeah, there's lots of racing going on in that region, but there's not a ton of racing going on in terms of shifter cart racing. Yeah, there's the SIRA program that runs some street races for shifter cart guys, but there's a lot of shifter cart guys that potentially would want to run some more races that just simply aren't there right now. So uh, I think that you're 
going to, of course, provide an opportunity for the shifter cut racers in that area to come racing. And I'm not surprised if that's some of the feedback that you've got, because uh, there is a need for that within that particular area. Yeah. So anyway, you know, I, I mean, I agree with you. There's, there's, you know, definitely room for shifter cart racing. There really is anybody that there really is anyone in the Midwest that's actively doing it, but there's a lot of hot spots, right? There's like KZ guys that are out here and there's, there's guys that are really trying to, to do shifter cart racing and they really don't have a good home uh, for that in this area. So obviously, you know, we're going to be satisfying that market. I have a great lineup of uh, those common, really good uh, shifter classes. We're going to have the 175. Um, we're going to have the KZ, uh, you know, everybody don't sell off your Hondas cause we've got plenty of Honda classes for, uh, you know, S one is kind of a legacy class, uh, S four, S four Supermaster. Um, so a lot of good shifter racing. Plus, I mean, plus all the other stuff that, that, you know, people have come to, to know and love through the SCUSA program. So the minis, the micros, the X thirties, uh, KA, which I'm really excited about. I think KA is going to be a really, really great engine package, you know, and definitely could be a plat, what I call a platform engine package. Um, so the sport can really kind of rally around it, kind of build on it, sort of a, a modern version of the uh, KT 100. But, um, yeah, so definitely, definitely looking forward to seeing some, some shifter racing again here in the Midwest. Joining right now on episode number 17 of the industry insider by Joe Janowski, the regional director of the great lakes pro car challenge. And of course, national director of competition for Supercarts USA, uh, Joe, let's have a quick look at the schedule. You mentioned uh, four different race dates, three different venues, kicking off in April the 13th and 14th at Newcastle Motorsports Park. Early June, you're going to go to uh, Norway, Concept Haulers Motor Speedway, up to Road America in late June, and then the very start of August, back to Newcastle uh, ahead of the, the Summer Nationals. Sounds to be like a, a pretty good lineup, but I, when I saw it, Norway's an old-school place. The, the you know the the Midwest Pro Tour like the old school Scusa went to Norway quite a bit uh, and then of course up to Road America I find that really interesting as well give me your thoughts well you know uh, obviously Newcastle for me is going to be a no brainer I, I live here in Indianapolis I have a great relationship uh, with the Dismores uh, Mike Adams that runs the track um, they go above and beyond for us every time we go there and so uh, you know when I when I approach Mike um, said hey here's what I'm putting together. Uh, you know, it wasn't one date, it was two dates. He said, man, we really want to support this. Uh, we really like what you're doing. Um, and so, so that was a no brainer, but, uh, Hey, I've got two more races to do. So, so how do I start doing this? And, um, I really wanted to make sure that at least one of the races that we had was some kind of, a, was one of the tracks that we would have ran back, you know, many, many years ago, uh, Norway concept haulers, but it's always Norway to me. Yeah. Um, you know, Norway was, was my favorite track back in that time period. Uh, I love the track. I love the layout. It, it has that very, um, not modern feel to it. Right. But it races really, really well. So it's, you know, when you go to these newer facilities, I mean, they all kind of have that, that feel to them. They're, they're bigger, they're more open, um, you know, and sometimes they're a little more sweepy where I, I like, uh, you know, I like Norway, man. It's, it's got the bowl, it's got the jump, it's got uh, some good complex turns in it. And I always had a blast racing there. Um, so, you know, it was really a good thing when I, you know, and sometimes you don't know what's going to happen when you, when you call these guys. And I haven't talked to Les up there in quite a while. And uh, so I rang him up and say, here's what I'm doing. And, and man, he was pretty excited about it, um, which was good to hear. And then, uh, so then I was, so, okay. So now I kind of have to fill in the schedule a little bit. And I reached out to, to Road America 
um, and really didn't know what I was going to get back. And man, they really went above and beyond to to get us on the right date uh, to work with us. I mean, that's going to be the race that's farthest away from us. Um, so in terms of making sure that I know, you know, what's going to be there and how we're going to work it, uh, great staff up there. They were super cool to work with. And so really looking forward to, I think there's a lot of great racers up there too. I mean, so I, that's the other part. I really wanted to race up there. I want a couple down here and then we've got, uh, um, Norway. So I think, you know, this first year is going to be uh, some really cool racetracks. I'm, I'm really, really excited for it. I think it's a pretty good layout. You know, you look at the old uh, Supercar USA regionals, and you mentioned that, the fact that at one time, Scusa had a lot of regional programs. There was the Cascade region up at the Pacific Northwest, the Sierra in NorCal. You know, you go down to the, there was a, there was a region in Louisiana, I believe. You know, there was yeah. a region up in, in Minnesota. Uh, there was obviously the region over in, in the New York area. There was a, just a ton of different we regional had, programs. Colorado. We even had the Dixie. We even had the Dixie region. That's you know, right. Down the, the Southeast. Region. And yeah. Uh, yeah. so, you know, yeah, you know, Colorado was one of them too. And so, you know, it's, uh, yeah. So, I mean, in a general sense, if you want to talk in kind of an over overall sense, you know, I see this continuing, right. The, the product is good. The classes are good. Um, you know, the officiating is, is, is good. The, you know, the, the process of producing an event is good. And, you know, and all the people that are involved in the production of, of SKU's events, and there are a lot of people that are involved in it. Uh, really produce some good stuff. And so I'm really excited for the next, you know, three to five years, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, you know, it's it's going to be turnkey for you. You're bringing all the right people in. You're just uh, rolling out at a different venue and opening up to what won't be a pro tour. It'll be essentially a regional program, a PKC, with uh, a number of the, the heavy hitters that you have week in and week out uh, on, right. on the pro tour. So folks, stick with us. We got more to come here. Episode number 17 of the Industry Insider talking with Joe Janowski. He's going to take off his Great Lakes Pro Kart Challenge Regional Director hat Ask him to slip into the uniform of the SCUSA National Director of Competition. We're going to talk Winter Series. We're going to talk Racecraft, and we're going to talk video marshalling system when we get back here on the EKN Radio Network. This is Brian Jarscrack, and you're listening to the EKN Radio Network. From coast to coast, IAMI has become the two-cycle engine of choice for American karting. Starting with the air-cooled 60cc Swift engine for micro and mini drivers and moving through the incredible X30 power plant for junior, senior, and masters, IAMI is providing much-needed stability for the sport. In 2018, the new KA100 Rejet engine took the karting community by storm, and it will be a core class on the Scusa Winter Series and Pro Tour, as well as the United States Pro Kart Series, Route 66 Sprint Series, and the WKA Manufacturers Cup Program. Watch for more regions, series, and events to get on board with the new IAMI formula. This year, IAMI USA is debuting the new SSE 175cc shifter engine, which will be the foundation of Supercar's USA gearbox competition for the future. The engine has been custom designed with a balanced equation of performance and reliability. We have two distribution centers in the U.S. to serve you well. IAMI East in Mooresville, North Carolina, and IAMI West in in Temecula, California. The momentum is continuing to build. It's time to make an investment in stabilizing your engine program. For more information, head to the website for your region. IamiUSAEast.com or IamiUSAWest.com. Iami, the heart of Carter.
in a sport where the difference between winning and losing is measured in hundreds of a second, you can't afford to leave anything on the table. You invest in the best equipment, the latest components, and top-of-the-line data acquisition systems. Anything to find one more tent, right? I'll tell you right now, the best investment you could ever make is in yourself. If you want to improve your results, it's time for professional instruction and coaching at the Allen Rudolph Racing Academy. Located at the new state-of-the-art speed sports racing park just north of Houston, the Allen Rudolph Racing Academy uses the very best equipment, Burrell Art Carts. They offer half-day, one-day, two-day, and three-day clinics. They have a one-on-one student-to-instructor ratio, and they will design a customized curriculum for each student. Alan Rudolph is one of the most respected people in the sport, and he has nearly 20 years' experience training drivers, including Chase Elliott, Neil Alberico, Austin Versteeg, and Sabre Cook, and rising stars like Pietro Fittipaldi. Train with a champion with over 30 years of racing experience to get proven results. Start off your season with a driver tune-up. Tune-up your season with some driver coaching. Or get ready for the big races by training with the best. Reserve your dates now by calling 866-607-RACE. That's 866-607-7223. For more information, visit speedsportsracingpark.com slash racing hyphen academy. The Kart Republic has arrived in the USA and it's taking the world by storm. Cartsport North America is North America's exclusive importer and distributor for Dino Chiesa's Cart Republic chassis. Cart Republic has been racking up numerous national and international titles across all classes in its inaugural year of competition, including this year's CIK FIA World Championship. The team has arrived at drive seats and support spots available for the SCUSA Winter Series, USPKS, and WK Manufacturers Cup competitions, so call us today to reserve your own winning Cart Republic. Located in Mooresville, North Carolina, on-site at GoPro Motorplex, Cartsport also offers driver training and coaching programs, cart service and storage, and full retail sales with the top brands in the sport, available in their 6,000-square-foot retail space, as well as their online store. Cartsport North America, top quality products, winning brands, and professional driver development services. Give us a call today at 855-527-8776 or visit us online at cartsportna.com. Hello, karting fans. This is AJ Myers, and you're listening to the EKN Radio Network. Welcome back to the EKN Radio Network, episode number 17 of the Industry Insider. Uh, we've got the, a veteran, Joe Janowski, here with us this weekend, the uh, Supercarts USA National Director of Competition. Uh, Joe, we chatted about the Great Lakes Pro Car Challenge, expanding that Scusa regional reach out to uh, to you know another area, back to essentially the, the home base of Supercarts USA in the Midwest, in the Great Lakes area. Let's talk more about 2019 now. You've been in the seat as the you know the national uh, director of competition for some time now. You guys played with the video marshalling system that Scusa invested so heavily in. Let's start first with the Winter Series. We come out of the box, uh, the second running of the Winter Series, and again, everybody getting a good feel. Launched last year, uh, you know, at, at Homestead. What are your thoughts on how how do you perceive how things went this particular uh, this this first seat race of 2019? I know at the end, you came to me and said let's let's compare how that x30 senior race was last year compared to this year 
I'm going to say it was heads and tails better. From your standpoint, from where you were quarterbacking the race direction, what were your thoughts? Oh man, it it was um, it was night and day. Yeah, uh, really was night and day, and it was really good to see um, because you know it's it, when you put as much work as this team does in on the backside, and, you know, and I have the you know the the title of director of competition. Um, which is different by the way, maybe at some point we can talk about the difference of what I do versus your more traditional race director. Uh, but you know, all of the team that works, uh, tirelessly reviewing the calls that we made, how we made calls, what our protocols are and how we do those things. Um, you know, the, the team has evolved over the last couple. And when I, when I took it over, uh, it'll be two years ago, um, at the winter nationals, the difference between that race in terms of just overall how the team was functioning and working and a couple weekends ago at florida you can't even say that it was the same team uh that's how much uh growth has happened within the organization um you know and, and i really got to give my uh i have to give thanks by the way real quick to both uh, uh tom and and stan bernarski um when we first started talking about doing some of this stuff you know, they both said, Hey, you know, we, we want some fresh eyes to look at this thing. And, and, uh, you know, we're going to give you what you need. You tell us what you need and we're going to do that. And, and those guys have absolutely delivered. And if I said, Hey, I need this, I got it. If I need that, I got it. And, and I think the product ultimately, and what people could see, I mean, Saturday at, uh, in Homestead was the first time that we have not had one protest uh, for an on-track call. Now that doesn't mean we didn't have a few guys come up that were a little bit out of shape, <laughs> which you're going to get any race. But, um, but that was a real milestone for me. And, uh, and, but mostly for my team, um, all those hardworking people, uh, that, that really take this seriously and, and really try and do the very best job they can. And I think that's beginning to see results. So the race craft is a lot better. I think guys are starting to realize, Hey, I can't get away with all the stuff that I used to get, get away with. Um, you know, my team has gotten better, at executing, um, identifying things. We've gotten better at using the video system. So just a lot of those things have kind of gelled together uh, to the team that, that we have now. And, and we, we're still improving. You know, I mean, yeah, I'm, Joe, I'm kind of an always Joe, improver. Let's talk, let's, let's talk about that. And you, you bring up a good point where you approach this a little bit differently. And, you know, David Cole and I see that from where we are occasionally when we're doing the, the play-by-play. We end up being with you guys in the same building or – outside or wherever it may be we get a chance to watch more closely what you guys do you know what let's let me let's roll that with giving you the let, let's give you the opportunity the platform to talk about how scusa and yourself approach a race direction program because indeed you're you're not a straight up race director the way you handle your program you you, you divvy up and, and delegate more responsibility give you a chance to, to kind of give that an overview for anybody who wants to go racing Supercarts USA or already does and maybe doesn't have a full understanding, we can come back again and talk more about how you guys have leveraged the video marshalling system. I want to get more into depth on that. Yeah, you know what? You, you, you presented it. Tell us exactly how it is that, that you guys approach it. I think it's, no, I think it's, I think it's a great learning opportunity for those who go racing or even for other race, you know, other clubs or whatever to see a, maybe a fresher take to it because it is a little different. Well, it, it had to be. You know, we as drivers, we used to self-regulate and and by self-regulation, I mean, first off, from a safety perspective, uh, you know, we, we didn't have body work that surrounded the entire cart. Um, so, A, you know, if, if you 
kept ramming the guy in front of you, eventually you're going to climb up over his rear and flip or uh, injure yourself or injure someone else. So we had a self-regulation on that. And then there was just, I, and I don't know what the difference is, but we also just, it always felt like there was just more respect between drivers. Um, you know, I didn't want to knock you out of the way to get by you, but at some point, uh, you know, in, in the last X number of years, I don't even know when it happened exactly, but, it, but the drivers kind of took that and they handed it to the officials and said, well, you're going to regulate us now. And, and that's a very, very difficult thing to do. Um, so you want to make sure that, that you remain consistent and allow people to race. You don't want to take racing away. Um, but boy, the, you know, the regulations that you have to start to put in. So trying to keep track of this big animal that is an officiating operation, you know, is, is not easy to do. It's, it's very similar to coming in and running a company with a lot of different divisions. You have people with uh, a lot of different personalities. You have people with a lot of different skill sets. And so, you know, everybody kind of has this mindset of, you know, the typical carding race director, and it's some poor guy, you know, with his hair on fire and he's running everywhere and nobody knows, nobody can make a decision. Nobody can do anything without that guy saying so. Right. And it's, it's just extraordinarily inefficient. So what I started doing is I didn't exactly set out to make it this way. What I did is I came into those first few events and I really, um, just tried to see how the team worked and to see where the areas that we can improve. And one thing I noticed really quick was there's a lot that happens on a national event, both on the racetrack and off. And somebody needs to be in charge of all of those things. And so that's really where we started off. So, um, you know, I went and visited, uh, uh, race control with uh, IMSA a few times and IndyCar a couple of times and <clears throat> really tried to bring in some of their best practices. How do they do it? How do they manage all of the things that are going on? And so really, uh, you probably noticed at the beginning last year, you know, I began to actually have a full race control. You know, historically, <clears throat> you have scoring over in some building over there and then you've got, um, you know, your tech is way over there and uh, you know, you've got your IT guys floating around somewhere and you have all these different assets, but nobody's in the same room at the same time. So that's what I did. I pulled basically all of my assets and we all are in one room at one time. So my video is in there. My scoring is in there. Our IT person is in there. Um, I usually have a liaison, uh, between us and registration, a few other things. I've got quick access to my tech people, uh, all of those things. So in my course control, so uh, when I've got a guy, uh, uh, currently it's, uh, Neil Strickland, uh, who does my, we call him control. He's the guy that's actually calling yellow flags or red flags and making sure that go-karts are going around the racetrack. What I do is I move around between all of these different things and, and handle the issues. I'm a problem solver. So, uh, I'm, I'm dealing with a tech issue or I'm over here dealing with a registration issue, or I'm over here dealing with a scoring issue. Um, but consolidating all those resources giving smart people, um, and by the way, all these people are much smarter than I am, but giving those people the ability to make those decisions and then backing them up and reviewing them and refining it for the next time, you know, that's really been probably the biggest uh, key to the evolution of our, of our officiating system. Interesting because, uh, in, although I spent a lot of time 
uh, with an IndyCar race control myself. And that does sound exactly what it's like. You know, everybody's right there. They'll have, you know, IndyCar has a couple of uh, three different officials, which are able to make, you know, make judgment calls on penalties, usually ex racers. They've got the race director. Like you said, you know, you've got guys watching the video, you know, at, at Homestead, you have the guys from racetrack engineering, Dave Dusick and, uh, and his man Tasker were there as well. So yep. you've got a lot of people around you. And I guess, key i think when that with that and you'll you obviously will agree with this is that when you have those that many people that you trust really you have to let them do their job and then and leverage them as much as you possibly can yeah exactly so i mean you know calls on racetrack i don't i don't call the penalties uh you know the penalties all penalties go through like a two-step process before they're even called um so you know we've got we've got great redundancy in that uh you know in each unit that we have uh, you know, we try and bring in the, the best people that we can, and then I, I let them do their job. And uh, and that's really allowed the entire team to begin to function much more as one unit. When I, when I first came in, um, you know, it was a lot of a lot of different units, but nobody really knew who the other people were in the SCUSA team. And, and there was a little bit of dysfunction going on there. So I kind of changed um, sort of the uh, the vibe of the team, uh, so to speak, or our culture, I guess would be probably a better term. And, uh, it's like every morning, you know, uh, you know, at six 30, you know, everybody's got to be there and we have coffee and we have donuts and we cover any issues for the day. But a lot of that was just getting these people together and, and really seeing that, Hey, you know, we are one unit here and all of us have to do, um, all of our various parts. And, you know, it's, it's never perfect, right? You know, it's, there's always breakdowns here, breakdowns there, but uh, the team is so, it's so quick. It's so quick and easy for us to react to a situation now as opposed to it was even a year ago that, uh, um, you know, it's, it's just, it's just been night and day and it's been a lot of fun too. Joe, let's take one more break and we'll come back and dive a little deeper into the video marshalling system. Cause I think it's something that people, if they would understand a little more your process, I think that you'd see even less pro less protests. You said you didn't have a lot, but even less discontent in terms of, uh, of when rulings do come down from video. Folks, stay with us. We got uh, one more little segment left here with Joe Janowski. We're now talking about the Supercarts USA Pro Tour and essentially uh, how the national race direction team has evolved. And again, we're going to dive in to the video marshalling system, which is really being uh, leveraged to its fullest here as we start the 2019 season. I'm Chris Wheeler from Bell Racing USA, and I listen to the EKN Radio Network 24-7. If you want to drive the best, drive a CRG. Our countless race wins and championships prove this fact, including taking the KZ Finals at the Scusa Super Nationals and the CIK World Championships in both 2016 and 2017. Our material is second to none. After years of independent American importers, CRG is now managed directly by the factory and run out of our state-of-the-art headquarters in Texas. CRG Nordam is the American arm of the CRG factory in Italy, and we're serious about success. We stock a wide variety of parts in all of our chassis, from the CRG Hero for the mini categories, to the Heron for taggeries, the Road Rebel for gearbox competition, and the new FS4, which has been designed specifically for American four-cycle Briggs racing. If you're ready to step up to the national level, do it with a factory race team that competes across the USA. CRG Nordam is a full factory effort with the best personnel and the finest equipment. We're serious about winning, and you should be too. 
Kometic Gasket is a leading worldwide supplier of gaskets and engine sealing solutions for karting, automotive performance, power sports, original equipment, and the remanufactured engine industries. Kometic karting gaskets are available as OE replacement top-end kits or as individual gaskets and seals. Just like competitive carters, Kometic can operate on the fly and has a unique capability to customize any gasket to meet specific engine requirements and clearances. All of Kometic's fiber materials are asbestos-free and do not require any additional sealants. Viton oil ring cylinder head seals are used in each two-cycle kit, and Kometic's four-cycle engine kits feature only the most advanced multi-layer steel head gaskets. Kometic can tailor to engine builder-specific needs through bulk ordering and packaging flexibility. Kometic gaskets are must-haves for championship-winning teams across multiple disciplines of both professional and amateur motorsports. Kometic gasket, sealing championships since 1989. Carts, parts, engines, tires, and tools. At SharkShifter.com, what you need is just a click away. We carry the biggest names in chassis, like Tony Cart and FA, DR Cart, CRG, and VLR. We have new chassis and all the parts you need. At SharkShifter.com, we also stock top quality replacement parts from Swift components, like axles, sprockets, and hubs. We have the inventory you need for your stock Honda as well, from cylinders, heads, and engine parts, to reeds, exhaust pipes, ignition covers, radiators, air filters, and air boxes. We build our own billet aluminum components as well, including motor mounts and clutch levers. Need to add to your toolbox? We offer alignment tools, brake, battery, and exhaust tools, tire gauges, and hand tools. Stop messing around getting your seat in the right position. We have a seat mounting system that makes it easy. Check the website for monthly specials. If you need it, we can get it to you fast. We ship the same day. SharkShifter.com, your online source for carts and parts. Hello, karting fans. This is Gabby Chavez, and you're locked into the EKN Radio Network. Welcome back to the EKN Radio Network. Thank you so much for listening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Rob Howden. Episode number 17 of the Industry Insider, and talking to Supercarts USA National Director of Competition, Joe Janowski. Joe, before the break, you talked a little bit about the different approach that you've taken to the race direction of a weekend, the team, the, putting the right people in the right place and kind of standing back, quarterbacking everything and letting them do their jobs. You know, one of the big things, of course, that Scusa invested in hugely uh, a couple of years ago was the video marshalling system. Mm-hmm. As you were talking about you kind of getting into the program and, you know, Tom uh, Kutcher and Stan Bernarski essentially getting what you whatever tools you needed to be able to do the job. One of the ones they handed to you at the very start was, oh, by the way, we just invested 75 grand in video here. <laughs> here it is. Um, we're not quite sure exactly how it's going to leverage, but we're at a pro tour. <laughs> I do that first weekend at NOLA, yeah. 127 penalty or video reviews a day. It was right. You guys were handed with this a powerful tool and you really just had to go through the the motions and the, the trials and tribulations of figuring it out because it it's a powerful tool. You know, it, it really is a game changer. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to give away all the trade secrets on this thing, but, um, you know, I wouldn't go back to doing nationals without it. Uh, and, and you really can't at this point, but 
yeah, you know, that first race, I, you know, I show up at, at New Orleans and I've got my on-track team. Um, and then we have this video system and it's in a trailer and, you know, and we're, you know, and I'm trying to figure out, you know, and I mean, I'm trying to figure out how to make this thing work. And I was getting a lot of pushback from a lot of different areas. Like, well, why are we using this video system and how do we use it? And what are we doing with it? And even by day, I'm talking from Friday to yeah. Saturday, we would change how we did. And then Saturday to Sunday, we would change how we did it. And then we had, I think we only had like 10 cameras, which we thought was enough. Right. Well, then we find out what well, 10 cameras isn't enough. And, um, <clears throat> you know, we had the way that we had it constructed, it wasn't, you know, we didn't really know where to place the cameras. And, and, uh, so, you know, I look back now and I kind of shudder at, at how, how crazy it was. And I was like, boy, I remember the end of that weekend thinking, you know, well, if, if I can get this thing under control, boy, it's going to be awesome, but I'm not sure I'm going to be able to live that long. Right. And so we, we ended up kind of taking, like we go two steps forward and then two steps back and then three steps forward and a step back and, and it would improve. And, and, you know, meantime, I'm, I'm working on all the other things too, you know, plus the video and how to properly integrate it. And, and really, um, from a technical sense, uh, you know, Tom is, I know we talk about that initial number a lot, but, uh, and I can't stress it enough that, uh, you know, how much Tom has supported this thing, even when, the numbers are high or he's looking at us like, are you kidding me? I just spent, you know, uh, you know, like recently, you know, we finally convinced him that we really needed these tripods, um, to mount the cameras on. And, you know, these are not inexpensive tripods and, uh, these are really big heavy duty suckers, um, that are, I think they're meant for, uh, you know, some sort of like, you know, movie set lighting or something like that. Right. So they're really rigid and very industrial and they're not cheap. And, um, but he's like, man, if you guys say you need it, I'll make sure you have it. Um, you know, we're playing around with new cameras now. So a lot of it was really just learning how to set this thing up, right. What the angles need to be, even the field of view of the cameras, how do we get the right field of view on cameras? And, um, how do we get the cameras connected? How do we, how do we optimize uh, our DVR system? But, you know, the way that we use it now is, uh, is, is pretty cool. You know, it's, they're doing live marshalling via the video system while races are happening. So if they're not actively reviewing something, you know, they are watching and we have every corner, every straightaway are up on two big screens um, in race control. So, you know, I'm usually in there and I'm kind of watching that stuff. And even if our view of the racetrack isn't great, uh, Neil, our control, you know, he's also watching us. We have, we have a live view of uh, every, everything going on. Typically speaking though, a penalty is going to come in from the track. The nice thing with the video system being as good as it is now is our marshals don't have to identify everything about the incident. So when you, when you go to a race, that's not a SCUSA race. Those poor people up there have to take in, in a very minute moment, exactly what happened, what time it was, uh, who was involved, who hit who, who did what, and then, you know, try and assess a penalty on it. The way that we do it is all they have to do is, is note an incident. Um, they don't have to be clear about the incident. It's so there was an incident turned for at this time period and, uh, it kicks over to our video system. Um, so we have three guys monitoring video. These guys are all, uh, do video for IMSA or IndyCar or, um, you know, other forms of stuff too. And, uh, you know, and they go back and they will look back two or three corners. They'll let the, they'll kind of watch the incident evolve. We can do slow motion. Um, we can speed things up. We can do frame by frame and, uh, and they, they go about assessing the penalties. And so sometimes things come in and, 
you know, it looked like there was an incident, but it was nothing. And then, but sometimes there, there is an incident. And so, you know, I think what's really funny too, is as this kind of has evolved, you know, I think a lot of the, the key players are really starting to see that, you know, what we are calling is pretty legitimate. I remember when we first started doing this, um, I remember Seth Nash, a uh, great guy, has a good team. And man, he was in there all the time, you know, and it was a pro I want to see the video. I want to see the video. And finally, I never saw him in there anymore. And I asked him at one of the races, I'm like, Seth, I never see you in, in, uh, uh, in video anymore, you know, with the protest. He's like, I got tired of being shown I was wrong. <laughs> You know, I, it was, it it got to the point, Mike speed was the same thing. I saw Mike in there a lot. I don't see Mike in there anymore. I don't, I don't see a lot of these guys in there anymore because, um, and, and I hope it's because they have, they have begun to trust, uh, the system that all of us have created. And, you know, and that's what I'm feeling like we're beginning to see them. Maybe they do, maybe they don't, maybe they're just tired of coming in and, and having me shoot them down. But, uh, um, but that's been a really really interesting part to just see how these guys after watching video time and time again and finally trust in that process. And uh, so that's been a big deal. Well, there was, there was one particular uh, incident and we won't bring it up what it was. We'll just, you know, talk about or who it was. Or we'll just talk about what it was. When, when you're talking about a long straightaway to racetrack, invariably you guys are going to have a camera pointing down that straightaway and blocking is oh, yeah. obviously a very big thing. And that, there was one particular thing. There was some chatter on Facebook about it where one of the drivers moved to the inside, ever, however slightly moved to the inside to block down the straightaway mm-hmm. at, at Homestead coming down to turn 12, which is a 90, fast 90 degree left-hander that leads to the checkered flag. And the driver then moved back out, however much moved back out to the, the racing line. That is straight up under Scusa's rule set, that's a straight up illegal move. You can't right. take take the defensive position, which is you're you're allowed to take the defensive position, sure, but you can't then come back outside. And the video is what picks that up so easily. You know, just for for the seven people that might listen to this, um, those wow, <laughs> putting down the EK radio now. No, no, I'm putting down Joe Janowski. <laughs> uh, you guys are fabulous. I'm not sure if you'll tune in and listen to me or not, but uh. uh you know, the reality of it is the blocking calls are the easiest calls to make. Um, exactly. We have cameras that are pointed straight down the, the uh, straightaway. Um, there are inevitably, there are seams in the track. I mean, you can even, uh, you know, we've been, the cameras are pretty high fidelity, you know? And so, uh, well, I say high fidelity, but all the IT guys are probably laughing at me right now. It's making myself sound, <laughs> let's say high resolution or something like that. High resolution. But high fidelity, it's like a radio thing. But anyway, uh, so you know, we can tell who you are, we can tell how much you move down, you know, and, and once you go to move back up to that racing line, yeah, it's so easy to catch. So easy to catch um, that those are kind of no brainer calls at this point anymore. Yep. So, okay. We, we, you've given some good insight into the video marshalling system. And that's really what I was hoping to do to get some people to have a little bit of understanding. Number one, given the patience as well, you know, when, when Scusa invested in the, the marshalling system, even though I think everybody expected it to be dropped and man, it's going to fix the racing and everything's going to happen. I think every, if we had more of a macro thought as opposed to micro, not thinking about the now, but thinking about how it's going to get better because Joe, you know where you are now. Mm-hmm. I would expect you're going to tell me Rob, we're just going to get better for 2019. It'll be better in 2020. We'll continue to make it better. Right. Well, you know, I'm, I'm one of those type of people that I think it's probably my racing background. Um, where I'm never really satisfied, yeah. uh, you know? And so I, I think right now we're in a good place. And what that, what that, I don't have these huge things to fix anymore. You know, la- the first year and last year, 
um, you know, there were these massive things that had to be fixed. And now we're, we're into a point where, you know, they're half that size or a third that size. The challenges I'm having um, are not these, what seem to be these insurmountable obstacles, right? Um, but they're, they're much tighter. They're much uh, easier to do. But, you know, it's always going to be an improvement. And it's also going to be a reaction too, right? Because now we're going to enter into that, uh, you know, I've been going through the process of even refining the penalties, what do we call? How do we call it? Um, what, you know, making sure that the marshals that we have, you know, understand very clearly what these particular incidents are, uh, making sure our video team understands exactly how, you know, I want these things done and how, you know, how we need to define those things moving forward. And it's only going to improve. I mean, I actually had a, um, you know, a meeting yesterday with a, a, a big tech influencer here who's a friend of mine in Indianapolis. And we're talking about um, artificial intelligence and machine learning and applying it to uh, our officiating programs. So, you know, I mean, this is, man, it's not going to slow down. It's, it's, it's going to keep ratcheting up. I think the difficult part for me and my team is going to be to make sure that that racecraft can still exist. And all we're doing is making sure that everybody has a very clear and concise box with which they have to operate in. And I don't, that's that's going to be the challenge is is making sure that you know we we retain that racecraft because two years ago it sucked but now it's a lot it's a lot better and, and uh, I think Joe you, I think we bookend it with the fact that you started saying when you talked about you the way you want to direct a race is that you still want to let the guys and girls out there race each other and that's going to mean absolutely. a bit of contact it's it's not it's a not it's not a non contact sport no, uh-uh. you know you're gonna you're gonna rub you're gonna rub a little it happens it just happens sure right yeah. All right, folks. Uh, you know what? Let's wrap this thing up, Joe. Uh, we talked all about the the Great Lakes Pro Car Challenge, the kind of how the winter series has improved in the racecraft so much. We went into you know your, your kind of setup, which I, I think that was a really good bit for this particular podcast. Just let's wrap things up. Pro Tour coming around the corner. We're just over a month and a bit away from the, uh, the third running of the Winter Nationals. This time heading to to Cal Speed. What are your thoughts on, on the on the 2019 Pro Tour? Are you excited? from a race direction standpoint, because it's a different experience on that side of the, the battle lines, right? And everybody going out racing or, or me calling the races or whatever it may be. You guys are always kind of, you know, elbows up when you get into an event. Do you guys just feel like you're in a really good place moving forward? Uh, you know, going into this season, um, you know, we are so infinitely ahead of where we were at this time last year. And uh, so I'm super excited. We have great depth in our marshalling team. We have great depth now in the, uh, in the video marshalling program. Um, we've really been able to tighten up a lot of stuff. And so what I really think we're going to really be able to focus on this year again is going to be really giving people that there's that word that they all say to me all the time. We want it to be consistent. And, um, and I think this year they're going to, they're going to see a level of consistency. Uh, and I think, you know, Scuse is going to raise that bar, uh, pretty high. Joe, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining me. Awesome, man. It's always great to be here. Happy back anytime. There he is, guys. Joe Janowski, the National Director of Competition for Supercarts USA. Really interesting insight into how he kind of reshaped the way Supercarts USA handles race direction from timing and scoring to marshalling to corner working to whatever it may be. The video marshalling system, of course, uh, so huge for what they've been able to do. And anybody who was at that first race that Joe came in 
and they had the video marshalling system. You could hear it in his voice. It was a bit chaotic, but it was this amazing tool that over the last couple of years, they've been able to turn into something that really uh, will help Supercarts USA move further forward as the primary national series uh, in North American karting. Again, episode number 17 of the Industry Insider. Thanks to Joe Janowski for joining us here on the EKN Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Rob Howden. Bye for now.